Well, good morning. So glad to be with you. Uh, I just want to thank Greg Martin that, you know, he talked about maybe a little taller, maybe a little older. What he didn't include was maybe looked like you put on a little weight or something. It's okay to laugh at that. Uh, I just appreciate that very much. Although people often say that Andrew and I do look like twins. Um, Actually, no one says that but me, but makes me feel better. So uh, I I just appreciate the opportunity. I want to take just a moment and just say, um, you know, it's almost been five or six months since Andrew was called and and has been serving here. And uh, he is leading our church well, and he is leading our staff well. And we are grateful for him and thankful for what he's doing. I, I was not originally slated. You know, he, he's been planned to be over in Marshall and uh, someone else was uh, supposed to be filling the pulpit this morning. Uh, it was not originally me, uh, but you know, it was kind of like a designated survivor episode. <laughs> there was this call that said, you've got to do it. And a group of pastors whisked me away and sequestered me to prepare for hours for this message. And none of that happened. I'm romanticizing it just a little bit because it feels good. Uh, But really, I got the call. I was speaking at a men's conference this last weekend. And so uh, I drove back in yesterday to be here. And I just said to Andrew, I said, here's the deal. You got to give me your outline and your notes, okay? Because we're going to finish Colossians. And he said, I will shoot him over to you. And, and so I'm going to use his outline and just the notes that he used, but I'm not going to preach his, his uh, manuscript. I'm going to preach with my own words. But I, I do want you to know that we're, we're going to follow uh, his outline and notes as we look at this text. And so uh, today we're going to dive in. It's Colossians chapter 4. It's the last sermon in the series verses 7 through 18 uh, in Colossians chapter 4. And, you know, I, uh, at Christmas time, you know, you go to some of those Christmas gatherings, family, or maybe it's another kind of a gathering and, and you get maybe cards and you're looking through, you're opening those cards. When you open those cards inside is a gift card <clears throat> or a check. And, and, you know, you don't want to pull out that card or check in front of others. And so you leave it there in the card. Anyone else do that? Yeah, I do that. And you take that card and you stick it back in the envelope. Um, and at my age, you begin to forget that you did that, right? Uh, of course, I think at any age, sometimes we forget. Uh, and so I've made it a habit. After Christmas, I pull those back out and I, we just go through them real quick and we look and make sure And inevitably, you know what happens, right? There's a gift card that you forgot left in one or something. And and then there's like that, you just, it's that little treasure, that nugget of something that, you know, man, we can go out and eat tonight, right? It's like, yes, we're going to go out. And so you find that gift card. Well, oftentimes when we get to the end of a text, a, a book in scripture, we, we, we don't feel like maybe there's as much meat in those verses and, and we kind of see them as, as maybe just some throwaways. We might read them, but we don't really spend time with them. 
And yet we want to, to look at this text because Scripture tells us that uh, in 2 Timothy, right, that all Scripture is profitable, that there is something in there for edification to teach us. And so there is something in these verses that we can learn some, some little treasures, nuggets of truth. And so I'm going to read the verses for us, and then we'll just jump in real quick. And so starting in verse 7 of chapter 4 there in Colossians, it says, and it starts with this name. Say it with me, right? Yeah, you're like, Duh, I'm not saying that. Let's say it real quick three times. Tychicus, okay? <laughs> Tychicus our dearly loved brother, faithful servant, and fellow slave in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know how we are and so that he may encourage your hearts. He is with, and say this one, right? Onesimus, a family and dearly loved brother who is one of you. They will tell you about everything here. And how about this name? Aristarchus. My fellow prisoner greets you as does Mark. Thank goodness for a simple one, right? Barnabas's cousin concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes with you, welcome him. And so does Jesus who is called Justice. These alone of the circumcision are my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a slave of Christ Jesus, greets you. He is always contending for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. For I testify about him that he works hard for you for those in Laodicea and for those in Hierapolis. Luke, the dearly loved physician, and Demas greet you. Give my greetings to the brothers in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home. When this letter has been read among you, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea and tell Archippus, Pay attention to the ministry you have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. This greeting is in my own hand, Paul. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. As you read through this, um, you know, Andrew was sharing with me just this morning that he kind of saw it like, uh, it's almost like, reading through or going back and looking at an old church directory. You remember those days? Uh, going and getting the family together and putting on the best duds and scheduling your time and going and sitting down and doing that family picture and, and, uh, and putting that in a church directory. So, and, and when I would go into churches, I would always ask if they had one and I'd go through and I would just look at those old directories and those pictures and the different people. Maybe it's, maybe it's like the, the school yearbook, you know, they used to do those things and maybe they still do. I, I've got a, a whole stack of them. Uh, they make for a heavy box when you move. 
you know, those old yearbooks, though, you go through and you look at those things, or, or maybe it's like, uh, this is going back a little ways. I, I remember it, a slideshow. My, my dad would get the old screen out in the projector, and he would do a couple of trays of slides and pop it in there and click, 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 and we'd go through and look at all the old family trips and all those things, and we would just, just re- reminisce, remember. Most of the time, looking back through those things, it, it, it sparks a fond memory. We remember something positive. We remember something good. You know, today, I guess it could be more like uh, getting out your phone and scrolling through the photos or social media. You know, I, I, oftentimes on social media, it'll pull up some kind of a remembrance or something and just it reminds you of something that happened years ago. And, and it's just that fond memory of something. And so as Paul writes here at the end of Colossian, he's, he's calling all these people to mind and he, he's remembering these people for different things. And, and we see some some common language and common phrases, and, and they're, they're ways that uh, it might commend somebody. It, it might um, give some instruction towards somebody or, or give instruction to somebody for something else. It's, but as he goes through this list, we see some different kinds of people. And so there's two things as we, as we look at this. We want to look at, one, the people of ministry. And the second thing we're going to look at is going to be the priorities of ministry. And so let's dive in and let's just look first at the people of ministry that we see here. There are different kinds of people that we see when we look at these verses. Verses really 7 through 15 is where most of those people of ministry are located. And so we start with uh, people that you might call faithful servants. And so you look at Tychicus, Aristarchus, Epaphras. Let's look at the the language that we see. In verse 7, Tychicus, he says, our dearly loved brother, a faithful servant, a fellow slave in the Lord. When you look at in verse 10, Aristarchus, he says, my fellow prisoner. Or when you look at Epaphras, where in verse 12, he says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a slave of Christ Jesus. And the language and the words that we see there, this fellow servant, a brother in Christ, a slave to Christ. It's the language that that says these were Faithful servants of the Lord, faithful servants of the ministry. We see faithful servants. We also see some people that maybe you would call the marginalized. And so in verse 9, look at Onesimus. What do we know about Onesimus? He was 
a runaway slave. We, we read about him in Philemon. And Paul recognizes Onesimus here. And it's interesting what he says about him. A faithful and dearly loved brother who is one of you. <clears throat> he takes a, a runaway slave and he makes him a part of the family there in Colossae. He says he is a dearly loved brother. He is one of you. And even though he was this marginalized, someone that we just don't know a whole lot about, and he was a slave, but he is now a part of the church and the family of Colossae. And is that not what the gospel does for us? That it takes us from being a slave to sin and it makes us a part of the family of God. And so the marginalized, Onesimus, maybe it's the unknown. Look at in verse 11, it says, and so does Jesus who is called justice. Now, Jesus, it's not the Jesus, this is after right? The, the death of Christ. And so th this is a guy named Justice, Jesus, who is called Justice. But we know nothing other about him than just this right here. And yet he, he names him here. And he basically says that, um, welcome him. He's a fellow prisoner. And he's going to bring greetings. That's all we know. And so there's the unknown in Scripture. And when we look at these different kinds of people, maybe one of them resonates with you. Maybe you feel like you could say, I'm, I am one of the, the faithful servant. Right now I feel like I'm doing well. Maybe you say I'm a marginalized or maybe you say I'm unknown. There's some other though in here. That's not everybody. There are those who uh, had some failures. Look at a couple of those. Uh, Mark in verse 10, he says, my fellow prisoner greets you as does Mark, Barnabas's cousin. And we'll talk about Barnabas here in a minute. Mark. Barnabas's cousin. And he later talks about uh, Demas in verse 14, where he says, Luke, the dearly loved physician, and Demas greet you. Mark and Demas, what we know about them is that they actually abandoned Paul in the middle of missionary journeys. And Demas, it even says, he did it because he loved the things of the world. And so there were these who had some failures. There were these who, who had some moments that were less than magnificent, you might say. And Paul includes them in the letter. And then another one, we see the forgiven and the reconciled. There in verse 10, when I named Barnabas, Mark was Barnabas's cousin and Barnabas is named here. And he gives a specific instruction about Barnabas where he says, 
concerning whom you have received instructions. Well, what had happened where there had been instructions written to them? Uh, Barnabas and Paul had a disagreement. There was a, a little bit of a rift between them. But he says, concerning him who had had some instructions already, and he says, I want you to welcome him if he comes to you. And it, it indicates, it suggests that there had been some kind of a, a forgiveness, a reconciliation between the two. And so we see uh, the forgiven and the reconciled. We also see that there were Jews and Gentiles. We see Luke, who was a dearly loved physician. He was a doctor. And then we see Onesimus, who was the slave. As we read through the list and we see all of these people of ministry, the reality is he doesn't leave anyone out. And here's what it says to you and us. You and me, you and us. Here's what it says to us. How about that? Here's what it says to us. We are all a part of the people of ministry. All of us. Every single one of us has a role. Every single one of us has the opportunity. And God desires to use us. And he's got something specific that he wants for you and that he would have you to do wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you play. We are all a part of the people of ministry. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your present is. It doesn't matter socioeconomic status, uh, ethnic background. It doesn't matter what or who, the things that you feel like define you, you are a part of the people of ministry. And if you feel inadequate, Peter wrote in a letter, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, he says this, everything that is required for life and for godliness has been given to you in him. And that is Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, you have everything you need to be able to both experience life and to live the fullness of the eternal life that God has called you to and everything that you need to do it in a godly way. You have everything you need in him. It's not about you. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have everything right now in order to be a part of the people of ministry. And all of us are a part of it. And so we see the the differences, and it tells us that the church, we don't allow the differences. We don't allow those distinctions. We don't allow the things that we feel like divide us to be divisions. 
We do not. We, we reconcile with one another. We, we all come together. We, we are a church and we are family and we are the people of ministry. The ground at the foot of the cross is level and we are all equal. It doesn't matter if you have a theological degree or training or education or if you have a, a simple faith and understanding of scripture. God has a role and a purpose and a plan for you as a part of his people of ministry. And I just want you to embrace that. I just want you to realize that God is, wants to use you for his purposes and his glory. And, and when you embrace that and you press into it, you get to experience what life really is. I'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute with some things. And so let's, let's look at the second thing that we see. There's the people of ministry. But as we get into the last parts, verses 15 through 18, we also see the priorities of ministry. And there are several priorities we find in those four verses. And so let me just read those verses first and then let's look at them. He says in 15, give my greetings to the brothers in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home. When this letter has been read among you, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea and tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry and that you received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. This greeting is in my own hand, Paul. Remember my imprisonment, grace be with you. And so as we look at the priorities of ministry that we see here, there are four imperatives, uh, statements that we actually read in those verses and the first one, and I'll just go through these quickly, and then we'll look at the priorities. The first thing he says is to give my greetings to the brothers and sisters. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters. He then says, um, after you've read this letter, and he talks about reading this letter to the Laodiceans and to the church in Nympha, and he says, and also take the letter for the church in Laodicea and read it in your church in Colossae. And so he talks about making sure to read the letters to each other and for each other. He, he also says, and this one's interesting and it's, it's a person, but we look at it here in a priority of ministry and that's Archippus. And, and you know, if, if you got written in a Paul letter, that probably was something that many of them felt really special. If Paul mentioned you in one of his letters, like, oh man, but this one's a little interesting and I don't know if I was Archippus how I would feel because he says, tell Archippus, pay attention to what God has called you to. And when I have to say to my kids, when they were little, pay attention, focus, listen. And so here we have this imperative, tell Archippus to pay attention 
to, to what God has called him to, to the ministry that he has been called to. And then the last imperative, he says, remember my chains. And in those imperatives, there's seven or several priorities, not seven, several priorities that we see, five priorities that we see before he just gives us a benediction. Those priorities are this, and let's run through these. The priority of fellowship. The priority of fellowship. In verse 15, he says, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters. That phrase, give my greetings, he is not saying just tell them I said hello. It is more than that. When you look at the original language, the text, it says to, to enfold them in his arms. He is saying that, man, I, I love my brothers and sisters there. I, I want to be with you there. And I if I were there, I would give you a big hug. And so when, when you greet them, just convey to them how much I want to be with them, how much I love them, how much I care for them. I, I just want to wrap them up in my arms. Man, I, I want to be one of Paul's dearly loved brothers. To have that kind of expression, a desire for, for fellowship, to want to be with me. Doesn't it feel good when there's someone like that that you hold in high regard or esteem that says, I just, I just, I love being with you. You know, looking back through those pictures and remembering those past events, different things, Oftentimes, some of the fondest memories you might have, both as a family and life or in the church, when you look at those, there's other people with you in those pictures. It's, it's usually not just you or you and a spouse or you and your family even. It may include other people, other couples. I, I know that some of the fondest memories uh, people have had as they talk about their churches has been when they have a, a fellowship group that they are connected with and they've done life together, right? They, they go deep in the word together and some of their, their greatest growth, their, their greatest spiritual growth came because it was them and others doing it together, getting into the word and studying it. They, they pray for each other. When there's something bad or hard, they call that friend and they say, would you pray for me? I'm going through something tough. Or maybe when, when there's a birth or maybe when there's something good happens, what do they do? You celebrate together, right? When there's a baptism, this was awesome this morning, wasn't it? That we celebrate these things together, that we, we, we do those things together and we do it big. And when we do it with others, how amazing is that? You know, I might just suggest, I think I, I saw you sit back there. You may be called to ministry. I'm just telling you, you, you might ought to pray about that with your testimony. I, that was awesome. 
and, and we, we, we fellowship and there should be a desire for all of us. There should be this longing to want to be together. When we leave here on Sundays, we should want to not wait until we might be able to get back together and just to worship. And man, what a better place, Moberly, our worship and the preaching of God's word and being able to come together. It's just great every Sunday to be able to be together. And there is a priority of fellowship that we see here. And that one little verse and that one little phrase, and as he, as he looks through that entire thing, that there, when he says, fellow servants and fellow brothers, and, and man, we've done ministry together. We've done life together. We've been to, they have been a comfort to me, Paul says as he writes this. And so there's this priority of fellowship that we would do things together, that we would be together and we have an affection for Christ's family to be together. There's also a priority of scripture. Now you may say, okay, how do we see a priority of scripture? The Bible was really not canonized and put together yet, right? And so it was still being written. So how do we see a priority of scripture? He puts such a big emphasis <clears throat> on the, the idea of making sure to read this letter to the church in Laodicea, to read this letter to the church that's meeting in Nympha's home, but also to take the church to Laodicea and y'all read it because there were things in there that were important. There were challenges that the church was facing. And there were things that Paul said, <clears throat> basically, there's value and importance and share that, read that, make sure that, that you are reading these other letters so you can learn because you may not be experiencing their challenge now or today, but the challenge they're experiencing that I've addressed may be something that you can use and learn from tomorrow. And so there is, there is an importance placed on spending time and reading to understand those letters that were written, whether by Paul or, or maybe some others that you, we would read, that we would understand. And so for us today, that looks like the Bible, that we would take and we would read those letters, that we would read the gospels, that we would read the historical documents, the books of the, the law and the prophets, and that we would take and we would spend time with this. And you've heard it most Sundays, and I'm going to say it again, and I don't want you to get tired of hearing it. We, we're emphasizing it for a reason. If you have not yet plugged into that spiritual formation challenge and the daily reading of scripture, let me encourage you to do that. You ought to spend some time every day opening up the Bible and reading God's word. Because when we read God's word, we will encounter the God of the word. And so that's where we're going to, we need to pour in, spend time. So I just want to challenge you. And if it's not with the daily formation challenge, just on your own, open the Bible 
and read. And if you need help finding plans, there are plans out there. If you say, I don't even know where to begin, go look at the foundations study that's out there. Go find a, a, a year-long reading plan. Find that, that tool that is going to help you get into God's Word because God's Word is a priority and it certainly is going to be a priority here at Moberly. There's also a priority of encouragement. Now, this is the one with Archippus. And Archippus is the one where he says, now, tell Archippus, tell him something for me. He doesn't doesn't say, Archippus, do this. He says, okay, y'all church, tell Archippus to pay attention, to focus. He's giving a nudge. He's giving a, a word of encouragement. He's trying to help uh, push Archippus along. And he's saying to the church there, y'all are the voice. Y'all are the ones. Uh, you, need to, you need to tell Archippus. You know, he, he's getting off here a little bit. It's kind of like the uh, D- Demas who, who actually bailed on Paul because he loved the world too much. He needed a word of encouragement. And many times we need words of encouragement. It's not always just when we're not doing right or we're doing something wrong. Sometimes we just need encouragement. You need someone just to say, you're doing a good job. You're doing well. You're going to make it, right? Sometimes you just need that word, someone just to tell you that you're going to be okay, You just need to hear someone just give you that word of encouragement to say, pay attention, focus. And I I just want to encourage you this morning. God loves you and you can do it. Whether you feel inadequate or not to be a people of ministry, and maybe you look at some of these priorities and we're not done yet, just a couple more, but you look at these priorities of ministry and you may say, man, my priorities are out of whack. I need to adjust my priorities. I need to take some things that I'm prioritizing right now. I need to take them out and I need to put something else in. I don't know, wherever it may be for you, wherever you are, but, but sometimes you just need that encouraging word that says, you got this, you can do it. And by the way, it's not because of who you are, it's because of who Christ is in you. It's again, that second Peter, you have everything you need. It says you have everything you need because of him, in him, in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we just need that encouragement. And then ultimately, there's also the priority of prayer. And you may say, oh, now where do we see that, the priority of prayer? I don't know that I see anything in there that says pray. In verse 18, Paul says, remember my imprisonment, that imperative statement. Remember my imprisonment. I don't have time to read all the scriptures, but... Paul says this in other letters and in different ways. In Ephesians, he actually says this. 
where he says, uh, remember me as you go before the Father. And he's saying, remember me when you pray. He's asking them to pray. He says it several times here throughout this letter. In verse 3 of chapter 1 and 9 of chapter 1, uh, here in 2 through 4, he actually says in chapter 4, right? Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in thanksgiving at the same time. Pray also for us that God may open the door to us for the message to speak the mystery of the Messiah for which I am in prison so that I may reveal it as I am required to speak. And he says, pray. And even right here in this text in verses 12 and 13, right? Uh, he talks about he is always contending for you in his prayers. He elevates prayer in his writings and throughout this text. And here at the end, when he says, remember my imprisonment, he is actually requesting and he is saying, would you please, when you pray, when you go before the Father, would you just remember me and others in our imprisonment or in our ministry in the work that we're doing. And so he's not just saying, I just want you to remember I'm in, imprisoned. He's saying, lift me up before God, please. I need your prayers. And so there's this priority of prayer. And in the same way, you're reading scripture every day, you ought to be praying every day. Pray for your pastor, pray for your church, pray for your staff, pray for your, your spouse, pray for your wife or your husband, or pray for your parents, pray for your kids, pray for your coworkers. If there's someone that you, you, you don't know, maybe they're a believer or not, pray for them and ask God to open a door, give you opportunity. We, we should be constantly uh, filtering things through prayer that we would, we would elevate this priority of prayer, not just as uh, God pray, give me a good day or bless this food, although those things are valuable and important as well, but that we would, that we would pray and we would ask God for things and we would ask God to guide us, direct us as we seek things, as we, as we try to live that life, we prioritize prayer as a part of that walk. And finally, the priority of grace. He began Colossians in chapter 1, where he said there at the end of verse 2, before verse 3, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father, as he was greeting them in his letter, as he was introducing the letter, he said, grace to you and peace. And here at the end, the last thing that he says is, grace be with you. And to talk just briefly about grace, you know, Second Peter, he says there in that chapter one, you have everything required for life and godliness. And in, in, at the end, in, in chapter three, verse 18, he says this, he says uh, that you would grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. To, to understand a little bit about grace and God's grace, one, uh, we all need it. Grace is we get something that we absolutely do not deserve. It's God's grace. It's salvation. It's grace that brings us salvation. It's grace that's going to justify us. It's God's grace that's going to sanctify us. It's, it's God's grace that's going to someday glorify us in heaven and eternity. 
It's God's grace. We, we need God's grace. We are in desperate need of God's grace. And his grace is sufficient enough for all our needs. And when, when Peter says to grow in grace, it doesn't mean that we need more grace. When you come to, to, to God and come to Jesus Christ and you accept him as your Lord and Savior, he gives you all the grace he's got, all of it. And you get all he has and you get all you need. It is enough. God's grace is enough to, to, to save us, to sustain us. God's grace is enough to, to provide for for anything that we'll face and anything that we need. And the reality is this, the the further we go in our culture and in society as individuals, as a church, and the things that we may face sooner than later, we are going to need God's grace to stand firm on the truths of scripture. And it is going to be God's grace that will sustain the church and us as people of ministry. So the people of ministry and the priorities of ministry. One, do you see yourself and are you a part of the people of ministry? That, That is God's plan and design for you to embrace that and to become a part of what God is doing, to plug in, to connect. And are your priorities in line? Do you have the right priorities? And maybe you need to do a little work and reprioritize some things. Maybe you need to talk to someone and understand what it means to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if that's you right outside these doors at the end, I would just encourage you, talk to a minister, a pastor, a prayer partner right over here in Guest Central to my left out these doors and, and just learn what it means to be a follower of Christ. And I just... I love the way that Paul ended his letter just to say grace be with you. And I just want to end it that way with you. I just want you to know and hear that God's grace is sufficient for you. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you are, what's going on. God's grace is sufficient for you. And so I just want to say grace be with you. God's glorious grace. Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you for your grace. And God, I pray this morning that we all would see ourselves as part of the people of ministry. God, you've got a good work. You've got plans for each one of us. Father, for our church and the role that we play in helping grow your kingdom. And and Father, to grow people deeper, to know what it means to know Christ. And so Father, 
help us to be people of ministry. And God, if we do need to reprioritize, help us there that we would make sure that we have the right priorities in our lives. And Father, we do thank you for what you've done. We thank you for the work of your son, Jesus Christ, that extension of grace to us when we did not deserve it. And so Father, would you just work in our hearts and lives as as we go from this place that you would use us to be the light in this world and in our community. And Father, we do, we pray this in the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ. Amen.